Welcome to episode 27 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Uh, to, this week's guest is a uh, California-based landscape photographer, uh, Sapna Reddy. And uh, we had a great time talking about a lot of really diverse topics, including the art of seeing, uh, gender-based challenges in landscape photography, uh, pursuing photography as a dual career, and some interesting parallels between radiology and uh, landscape photography, which I found to be really interesting. We also talked about um, social media and its effect on landscape photography and also on uh, locations that we love to shoot. Um, Just a reminder, I have launched a Patreon page uh, to help get some support from the listeners of the podcast. Um, And I've got some really cool stuff that I'm giving away to Patreon subscribers, including uh, bonus content, which just started this week. And uh, I got some some decals in if you want to throw some stickers on your car or your water bottle or something like that. And uh, yeah, it should be fun. And um, for all of you that have already um, uh, pledged your support, I really appreciate it. Um, as usual, please reach out to me on Patreon, on social media, Instagram, Facebook. It's Matt Payne Photography and Matt Payne Photo. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. So, uh, Sapna, ready? Uh, hopefully I said that right uh, through your coaching and guidance. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> so much good. for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we had some technical challenges because you just moved to a new house, I guess. Is that what happens? Yes, we did. And trying to set up the internet and connecting all my computers has been quite a challenge. Oh, uh, it's like you didn't you didn't reroute the encryption codes. No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> a joke. Um, so, um, well, man, it's cool to have you. You know, it's I actually didn't really know about you until you reached out to me after I did TJ Thorne's podcast, and then of course, as soon as I went and saw your photos, I was like, yeah, man, that's she sounds like she'd be amazing. Plus, plus you have a really interesting story that I think we'll get into, but. Uh, um, I figured it would be cool maybe just to start out um, just for you to tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, where do you live, um, where you're from, and maybe um, a little bit about how you got into uh, landscape photography. Sure. Um, so I currently live in California. I was born and raised in India, but I came to America decades ago, as uh, soon as I turned into an adult. And um been here for a long time, did all of my medical training here and became a physician specialized in radiology and um, kind of was into the practice and then slowly picked up photography. I would say maybe around 2011 or so is when I started doing it um, with a lot more focus and spending a lot of time in it. I used to do it before, but not as much as I started doing in 2011 And since then, it's kind of become like a dual career. So um, I work part-time as a physician and part-time as a photographer now. 
And uh, it's kind of a nice balance because in radiology, what I do is basically study mostly black and white images. And I'm in a dark room in a confined space. And it's still visual analysis, but more to detect what's wrong with the human body and try to achieve a cure through the diagnosis. Sure. Whereas when I'm uh, working as a photographer, I'm in wide open expanses and it's a lot about color and just being out in the open. So it's a good balance between the two. And, you know, it's also um, some intellectual side to it. There's a creative side to it. So I I really enjoy that balance of um, having both those um, careers. Um, Well, you kind of uh, read my mind. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was, um, uh, and I'll just dive right in, is what uh, what are some of the differences and similarities between radiology and photography? I mean, you touched on a little bit, but I think you probably have a lot more examples. Um, so it's actually, um, you know, very interesting for me because um, um, it's like being in two completely different fields, yet there is quite a bit of uh, common uh, ground for both of them as well. Um, For example, when it comes to visual analysis, uh, basically, um, you know, appreciating the nuances of tonality, basically it's various shades of gray that I'm looking at, Mm. but I'm looking at a CAT scan or an MRI and trying to figure out what's wrong with the human body. And um, so there... um, my mind is actually racing through a visual database that I have built up. Mm. And uh, when I analyze an image, I'm looking for things that shouldn't be there, you know? So it's kind of a little like uh, playing where is Waldo, you know, the game where you try to find Waldo and Waldo is the pathology, except Waldo could be dressed in any kind of attire. (laughs) And you have to know all, all, um, you know, disguises of Waldo. And um, so it's kind of like that. It's like a little game and you're trying to um, look for clues that tell you what's wrong inside the body. So it's a very analytical and logical and systematic and disciplined approach because you go system by system and you cover every area of the image and and you study it that way. And when I um, pursue photography, it is... um, Similar as well as different in that, again, I'm doing a visual analysis, but this time my mind is not racing through multiple um, scenarios of, you know, what could be wrong or searching for patterns um, in a specific configuration. And yet I am kind of um, uh, searching for patterns, but more to create an image. Um, Okay. I hope you're still there, Matt. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So... Yeah, so um, it's very different. You know, in in photography, your mind kind of quiets down and you begin to observe the nuances of light. You kind of wait for something to move you rather than you trying to race through things. So it's a very different kind of approach. And um, you're trying to find an emotional connection to what's before you. Whereas when I do radiology, there is really, you're trying to distance yourself because you don't want to be emotionally invested in what you're discovering, right? Because you're discovering disease. And um, so say you're finding a cancer, you don't want to be emotionally invested in that. Whereas when you're looking at a landscape, it's completely different because I am emotionally invested in it. And and the creativity comes from my emotional connection to what's before me. So we're uh, covering a lot of territory quickly here. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah. wow so let me let me yeah. stop you for a second um well as you were talking i was trying to envision what it would be like transitioning from looking at a radiology image to looking at the uh, back of a camera or the through the viewfinder and mm-hmm. I, I was picturing and it's funny because as you were talking i was picturing that that you you're looking through the viewfinder and you're trying to find all the things that you don't want in your composition, like, oh, there's some there's some yeah. grass over there that I don't like, or oh, I don't like those clouds, or but you're like you're kind of looking at it the other way around where you're trying to piece things together that you're seeing in this in the wide expanse that you want to pull together into into an image that makes sense in in your mind. Right. I, I, you know, for me, I think it's like composing an image, I think, is like composing a piece of music, right? So you have certain visual elements in front of you and what you include or exclude in your composition is what makes it harmonious. Sure. Um, so um, when you approach it with that, uh, then uh, basically your eye is trying to compose in such a way that the story is told of the most important visual elements and that they are arranged in a way that is harmonious. Um, so, so yeah, it's a very different approach from how I would view the image if I was doing that in radiology because I'm not searching for harmony. I'm hmm. not searching for an emotional connection. It's completely uh, an analytical, logical, scientific approach with very little... There is zero artistic endeavor, right? There is nothing, uh, there is no room for creativity. It's complete self-discipline. And I can't go um, off and do my own thing. It has to be exactly what any other radiologist would do presented with that image if they were good at radiology. Whereas um, in photography... It kind of sounds like yin yin and yang a little bit. Exactly, exactly. There's, it seems, the the, the there's probably yeah. similar um, skills involved in terms of the visualization of things, but uh, you have to lean on different aspects of those similarities in a much different way. Um, right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the similarities are like, yes, you do look for patterns in radiology, and there are a gazillion patterns in nature too. Sure. So you are looking <laughs> at patterns. But you're looking at them with uh, uh, probably a different result in mind, where, you know, in nature, you're trying to create an image. um, And here you already are presented with an image and you're only analyzing it. Right, right, right. So I'm curious, um, since radiology kind of came first for you, was was landscape photography, um, because you touched on how when you're doing radiology, you purposely don't get emotionally attached and when you're doing landscape photography you are emotionally attached so I'm curious has landscape photography become somewhat of an escape for you or what what role does it play for you given that you're you're purposely not emotionally connecting to your radiology side I should probably be careful when I say I don't emotionally connect well, I mean, at all to me, the radiologist uh, side. I mean, I connect <laughs> emotionally to the patients who, whose Absolutely. images there are, but it's the actual image itself that I'm, I'm having a very scientific approach to. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, first of all, my um, uh, the reason why I took up landscape photography is because I love the outdoors. Sure. I love being in nature. I love hiking and, you know, um, so... 
photography was almost an afterthought, right? Because I'm spending all this time outdoors. It was kind of nice to be able to document it and then share it with others and say, hey, you know what? I went hiking here and um, this is what I saw. So it was um, photography when I first started doing it was mostly just to share the experience of me being in the outdoors. It wasn't really a creative pursuit when I first started. I just started it as something, you know, to document my experiences, Mm -hmm. just like anybody else who takes photographs. But then um, I think the artist in me evolved very slowly from that point um, to where it became uh, a mode of creative expression, you know. So as I got better at photography, then I started using it more to kind of render my creations not just document what was there, but kind of um, infuse some mood into it and start playing with the camera settings and, you know, going a little bit farther and saying, well, I'm going to take the visual elements that are presented to me, but then I'm going to add a piece of myself into them and then show you what, you know, the vision that I have for this place. Um, So at that point, it became a creative pursuit. Um, But it was really my love for the outdoors. And the fact that I was spending so much time, you know, in radiology, we read images in a very dark room <laughs> yeah. and the rooms tend to be kind of small. So there are days when I won't even see the daylight. Right. So um, I'm spending my entire day, especially like in winter, I'm there before the sun comes up and I leave after the sun sets. So I haven't seen the sun all day. Right. Um, so if when you do that day after day, if you're an outdoorsy person, then you begin to really crave nature. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yes, you have to find that balance. Otherwise, I think you would find work quite stressful and not, you know, not really um, get any joy out of it. Um, but being able to do this, being able to go away from that and spend time in the outdoors balances it really well. And you know, um, I wanted to bring something up that that there is a lot of debate nowadays about uh, physician burnout. Yes, you know, there is. people feel that um, with the current uh, uh, you know uh, healthcare situation and and so much of documentation that needs to go in the original. Um, you know, age-old patient-doctor relationship has kind of been transformed. Now, now it's a lot of documentation and legal action and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, so, the, um, I'm the yin to your yang because <laughs> I'm actually um, an administrator type person in a healthcare system, and I'm the guy that's pushing for the numbers wow. and stuff like that. So right, I totally know what right, you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So our productivity is under a microscope and, you know, you're trying to be better than others. You're competing. So um, it kind of reduces the human aspect uh, of being able to connect with other humans, you know. And I think photography brings that back into the realm because every time you produce an image that establishes an emotional connection with the viewer, again, you're kind of connecting to humanity. So that's a nice way to balance it. Absolutely. And reduce the stress. So you talked about how photography first was um, like your way of documenting you being outside. And then eventually you wanted to put a piece of yourself into the images that you were seeing when you were out there. I'm curious, Mm -hmm. what did that, um, what did that journey look like for you? I mean, was it completely self-taught? Was it a gradual pursuit? What did you take workshops? Like how, how did you, how did you grow into that space? When I started doing more and more of uh, photography, um, 
I am a very creative person. Um, you know, like uh, before I did photography, I would do interior decorating or I would do a little bit of painting. So there was always like some artistic expression that was happening in the background. Um, so when I took up photography, I think it was natural evolution that I would get to the point where I would start expressing myself through that medium. But it was heavily influenced by others whose images I greatly admire. You know, I am a huge fan of Mark Adamus and, you know, Ted Gore and um, Aaron Babnick and all these people who, uh, Alex Noriega, um, um, just throwing out a few hey, names. Had um, two but, out of the four of those uh, on the podcast. <laughs> right. So um, when I saw their images, um, you know, they moved me. And uh, uh, so I wanted to create images like that and I aspired to do so. So I went to each one of them and asked them to teach me and uh, they did. And um, of them all, I think Mark Adamus has the most uh, significant impact on my uh, style of photography. Um, and I'm just amazed at how he sees things when he's in the field, how he composes and then how he renders the image. Um, it's such a fascinating process for me. And I spend uh, quite a bit of time in the field trying to perfect the image, because if you don't have all the visual elements arranged right, it becomes you know more difficult to get them right later on. And it's, of course, much more rewarding to get it. Absolutely. Everything in the field itself. So definitely do that. But I think um, I think that's only part of the process. You know, I think in order to really take an image to completion, um, you need to put in the effort to ha make sure it's post-processed correctly as well. And I think that is where your creativity comes in, because really with um, subtle changes and how you compose and um, you can really alter um, the perception of a place. Right. You can tell the story the way you Absolutely. want to tell it. <laughs> I um, mean, composition, yeah. I think, is probably, I mean, if, if you can nail composition, everything else is pretty much mm -hmm. will come, come. I, I feel like just because um, it's one of the, it's the, one of the hardest things I think for people to learn. And I think um, it, in some ways it, it's to do a really amazing composition. You almost, it's almost a gift. I mean, it's, uh, like you yeah. were saying, you were watching, it sounds like you spent some time in the field with Adamus, and I'm sure you probably picked up on the way he was visualizing the shot, given all the mm -hmm. elements in front of mm -hmm. him. And not everyone can do that for sure. No, no. And sometimes it's just a matter of moving like a foot, right. <laughs> you yeah. know, like you're struggling and struggling and wondering why the visual elements are, you know, it's not right, but you don't know what to do to make it right. And then you see him show up and say, hey, how about moving two feet over this right. way? And, like, oh. and then you're like, why did I think of that? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that's that's what the masters do. I think, the, you know, it, it's definitely an inherent gift to be able to see um, and and draw from the landscape before you to isolate the visual elements you really need in your comp and then arrange them properly. That That's definitely a gift. And no amount of um, dexterity with your gear is going to, you know, get you that. Yeah. I mean, you have to be born with it. Right? Nor post-processing um, either. Yeah. Well, post-processing, I think at least to a certain point, if you see enough of it, you can teach yourself. But... You know, all you can teach yourself is like the little techniques to get something, right? right? The ultimate rendition of the image 
is just a um, composite of all the little techniques you have learned. So you, you kind of have to have a vision for what you are, want to render. And then, um, and then you will be able to use the little techniques you learned to get to right, that right, point. Right. But if you don't even know what you want to render, then obviously even knowing the techniques doesn't get you anywhere. Absolutely. So one of the things that um, you had emailed me about was um, the art of seeing, quote unquote. And I'm curious if, mm-hmm. if this is kind of what you meant by it in terms of um, pre-visualizing um, the final image and um, finding those elements in the scene by moving a foot this way or a foot that way. Is that kind of what you were talking about or is there more to that than, than what we had already covered? Um, I, I was um, talking in part ab- okay. about that. Um, so um, basically what I was trying to say in that particular article is that um, some of it comes from preparation, right? So all of us who, who pursue nature photography are obviously checking the weather. We are going at times when there is angled light or interesting light, We're, you know. Um, so all of the natural factors, we're trying to maximize on it. So we get there when there is drama so we can capture the drama. Sure. Um, so we do our homework and we show up there. Um, so in a sense, yeah, we have a concept of pre-visualizing and saying, well, I'm going to shoot the mountains and I'm going to shoot them when there is stormy weather. So I kind of have an idea what what pictures um, might pop up, you know, in that particular scenario. But nature is such a surprise, isn't it? You show up there and something completely different <laughs> might be going on. So um, the art of seeing comes in in even if you have prepared yourself to... Um, capture certain kinds of images when you get there what presents itself is really what matters so being able to see in the moment and being able to react in the moment and making the adjustment necessary right then and there and getting your shot I think that uh, comes with a lot of practice um, and um, it definitely involves a lot of hard work and, and you improve as you keep doing it more and more. Um, so, th- yeah, that, that's what I meant uh, by art of seeing. And then, you know, um, sometimes when I was learning, I would like shoot different compositions of the same thing, then come back, sit down and then calmly look at it and say, well, what looks good? You know, why does this look good? Kind of uh, uh, analyze that image and then understand that I like this because of these reasons. And so when you go back into the field and see something similar, maybe two years down the road, you're like, aha, I remember this would look better. So you also. It's funny. I was, I was editing, well, trying to edit some photos today um, from a trip I recently took um, down to uh, New Mexico. And I remember when Mm -hmm. I was down there shooting, like, for some, there was a lot of photos I took that I was like, this is amazing. This looks so good. And then I got back and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that, it just doesn't, it doesn't look right anymore. It's, I don't, it's, yeah. I think I've yeah. mastered the art of not seeing. <laughs> Cause I, <it's, laughs> no, you know what it is, Matt? I think the better we get at photography, the worse our pictures look. Oh, it must be. Man. Because I, I'll tell you a funny story. I went to shoot, um, Oh, uh, yeah, the moonlight, uh, you know, the yeah. rainbows in the moonlight, the moon bows that show up at Yosemite that everybody right. shoots, right? So this was very early on. Uh, I, had, I was barely six six months into photography. And 
I was super stoked about everything out there, like every sunset, every cloud. I mean, everything moved me, right? So, and, um, so I got there and uh, saw the moon bows and I had never seen them before. I mean, I was just stunned at how beautiful the scene was. And I took it and all I did was document a moon bow in my picture. I have right. a moon bow, that's it, right? And I look at it and go, loudly there are at least 10 other photographers there and with like zero humility i'm i'm so <laughs> ecstatic that i exclaim um that's got to be the best moonbow <laughs> shot ever <laughs> looking at my own <laughs> and i am i'm horrified if somebody does that now i'm like how oh, on earth could you uh, possibly say that you know so i think when you start out you're so ignorant that you don't know what that's you don't true. know so you think, you know, <laughs> and then the more you learn, the, the more you realize how little oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> so then you get to the point where you, all you see are mistakes in your work. And you're like, you know, it's frustrating because you think you're getting better, but then you, you feel your photography yeah, is getting it's worse. Funny. I, I went through a curve like that. I mean, six months, because I started about the same time you did in 2011 mm -hmm. and, um, I had the same experience like six months in I'm like I'm the best photographer there ever was and then like two years later I'm like I am horrible and now yeah. I'm like and now I'm like yeah. I'm pretty average <laughs> you know like it's funny yeah. like um, yeah yeah the more time yeah. you spend doing it it seems like uh the, the the least the less you feel good about your photography which I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. Right. Like, and it makes it feel like you have a lot to work on. Yeah. Well, also you want to like differentiate yourself, yeah. right? I mean, you want to find shots that others don't have and you want to render them really well because that way, I think it gives you a lot more satisfaction. Yeah, it's nice when you go and shoot tunnel view, you know, for the nth time and, and get like phenomenal light. Um, I mean, I love shooting tunnel view and I'll probably do it forever. But if I could find some other view of, you know, in Yosemite that nobody else has photographed, then it's kind of a strange uh, feeling of satisfaction because you explored and you composed and did everything original. And um, it's really very um, satisfying uh, from a creative oh, absolutely. standpoint. To do yeah, I recently uh, did a fall colors trip in here in Colorado. And um, it's still a location I've been to a couple of times before. And so I, I kind of knew where all the like really sweet spots were, but you know, like that everyone else shoots um, mm. in this area, you know, it's kind of mm -hmm. down by um, Owl Creek Pass and Silver Jack Reservoir. So it's like, you know, everyone shoots uh, uh, Chimney Rocket Sunset, you know, like everyone knows that shot, but I wanted <laughs> to shoot from a totally yeah. different vantage point that I'd never seen another photo of. So I did a bunch of research <laughs> um, on Google maps and Google earth and stuff. And I found this spot and I, I hiked up there and, and like, you know, it was risky because I could have gotten up there and it could have been nothing. But it turned out to be just like a really different yeah. view of the area that I've never seen anyone photograph before. And then I got super lucky with like mm -hmm. this really great sunset light. But like, yeah, it's it's very rewarding in terms of um, in terms of what that makes you feel as a person, as a photographer. Just like, I don't know, there's something about getting photos like that for me anyway, that's much, much more satisfying than getting a photo when there's like 45 other people standing around you. Um, All right. But All right. those are the photos that, those are the photos that sell, you know, those are the photos people want to buy. And so I guess it depends on what you're doing it for. Yeah. If you're doing it 
for selling prints or having a right. iconic uh, catalog portfolio of images, then I guess that makes sense. But uh, that's I guess that's yeah. not why I'm doing it. So. <laughs> Right, right. But, you know, like when I look at the truly successful landscape photographers, though, um, I, they are not the ones who go after generic sure. pictures. You know, they have earned their uh, name I mean, or their claim to fame comes from their originality, from their explorations and, you know, uh, going out there and doing something that others have not done. And then kind of being like the pioneers and then everybody else follows them and kind of no, does the same shot, you know. Um, so I think, honestly, to be considered um, in the top tier of landscape photography, you definitely need a portfolio that is filled with unique shots um, rather than, you know, the norm. Um, and those people who are really successful in that in that way, they sell their prints. I mean, um, because they're generating images that are quality images, whether people recognize them or not. You know, they're not going to be stock images. They're just going to be superb prints sure. that, that do get sold. Well, I'm glad so. you touched on, mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on, the, on the fact that, you know, people are going to follow in their footsteps to try to emulate the images they get. I want to mm-hmm. come back to that mm-hmm. um, later. Um, so don't let me forget. But um, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about um, that you had mentioned in your email that really piqued my interest was um, some of I, I, I get you 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 phrased it as gender based challenges, and I've talked about this um, some on the podcast um, in the past with um, Candice and uh, um, Donnie, uh, but. Uh, I'm curious kind of what's your take on what challenges you're seeing from from a the female perspective. I think um you, you know um some somebody asked me oh yeah um I was being featured as a photographer of the month by one of the local uh organizations and so one of the questions they had was uh, how do you feel about uh, Nikon not selecting any women when they launched the new camera oh, and right. you know um and they asked me, how do you feel about that? And I said, uh, you know, it, it's not something that is uh, isolated to the world of photography, really. It's kind of pervasive everywhere. Um, so there is a little bit of gender discrimination in general everywhere in the world. And I think it percolates down to photography as well. And any um, field that has uh, predominantly males uh, tends to have more of that uh, kind of outlook. And I think that's where photography falls. So um, some of the challenges we face as women, I think, um, is being taken seriously. Um, so your images, even if they are very good, are somehow not uh, considered um, on par with some of the others. I've often been told, you're very good for a female photographer. <laughs> And so I said, wow, okay, thank you. You know, um, what a strange compliment to give. Why would you have to bring gender in for, you know, image rendition? Uh, I don't get that. But um, so so I think you have to be almost better um, than your male counterparts in order to be noticed. Um, so that that's one thing. And uh, the other thing is, uh, because it's nature photography, I think, you know, it just demands a lot of uh, endurance and you have to have the ability to hike and go out there and, 
you put yourself sometimes in dangerous situations. Um, so you just have to be more fit. Um, so uh, there are certainly plenty of women out there who are super fit and who inspire me greatly. Um, just have to work out and, and get to that point. Um, so that's uh, one thing. And as far as safety goes, I think when you're in the middle of nature, it's pretty much the same for any gender, really. I mean, things could go wrong for for um, you know men or women, and you just need to be prepared and aware that something like that could happen. So I, I totally see what you're saying. I'm just curious, do you feel like there's something more that we should be doing as a landscape photography community around this this gender question or this this gender challenge i don't know if you should be doing more but i think women should definitely be doing more i think we should be bonding more i think we should be encouraging each other more um and uh, you know maybe if uh, you know uh, some big photography company doesn't give attention then maybe we should make a big noise like we did and say uh, you know don't do this so that if you bring attention to the fact that it's happening i think then people are more aware and you know it might just be unintentional um in some instances sure so at least once you bring awareness to the um to everyone then you know people are like more um, conscientious when it comes to um, doing something like that. Um, so hopefully Nikon will not ever do that again. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, if they did, that would be a huge mistake, I feel like. Because, yeah. I mean, there was there was quite a... I remember when that happened, there was quite a bit of people posting about it. Right, right. Uh, I actually wanted to... Um, this is a little bit off point, but I wanted to mention one thing that I thought was very... Um, um, funky when it comes to photography. See, in medicine, we have a um, philosophy that says, um, see one, do one, teach one. So what that means is if you see a procedure, right, the next time you do the uh -huh. procedure, and then the next time you teach the procedure. And so you uh -huh. share knowledge very, very freely. Um, and most of the time you work as a team. So if there is something you know, and a fellow physician doesn't know, you're actually very much open about it. Whatever the technique might be, you know, whether it's a procedure, whether it's a little clue in, in how you're analyzing an image, whatever it may be, that little bit of knowledge is very freely shared. And when you show somebody something, you show them uh, to the best of your ability, you hide nothing, you know, you every little detail, you try to tell them so that the next time they take care of a patient, they do as good a job as you're doing and maybe even better because you haven't left anything out in the piece of information you conveyed to them. But when it comes to photography, I see a lot more competition. So say somebody is teaching you something, they will not show you everything. You know, They will always have their little secrets to themselves of how they <laughs> render something or how they capture something. Uh -huh. And um, I have often thought about this and wondered why. Like, why is it that we are so reluctant to share everything we know? And it may be because we're trying to make ourselves unique. You know, in medicine, we're not trying to make ourselves unique, right? All of us physicians are just trying to treat our patients to the best of our ability. And when the patient gets better, that's the reward. But nobody is trying to necessarily be unique or original or creative in any way. Um, whereas when it comes to photography, you're trying to hang on to whatever you know and maybe not let it go so that your work is 
quite different from what other people do. Maybe maybe that's the reason why they do it. But I wish there was more free exchange of information and knowledge in photography and that there was more collaboration and that there was less competition. Um, it would be a much nicer place if, if we did that. I, <laughs> I agree. I mean, that's... Um... That's one of the reasons why I named the podcast <laughs> what I did. Um, I mean, collaborating is definitely a big part of, of, of what one of the reasons why I created the podcast, because um, that was something I was seeing as well, not so much in terms of like teaching people, but in terms of like helping people become better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see people and I, and I was guilty of this myself for at least a year, if not longer, where if you saw a photo that was processed really badly or if, you know, they're trying to do something, you could just tell, like, they just did a really bad job. Mm -hmm. Like, people tend to go straight to the criticism instead of saying, like, hey, um, I really want to help you make this photo better. Like, have you tried Mm -hmm. doing this, this, this? Versus saying, like, that just looks like shit and you should (laughs) quit. You should quit it. And yeah. I, I feel like um, there's a lot of that in photography, but it, you know, that's you brought up a point that I haven't thought of before. That uh, one of the possible reasons for that could be that we're it's in this this kind of weird, I don't know, like protectionism of wanting to hold on to some part of ourselves that we think is unique. I think it might also be like supply and demand, right? I mean, I think when I think photography probably has more competition, you know, because... um, It does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is less demand and there is more supply. There are a lot more photographers and, uh, you know, everybody's competing with everybody else. And the only way to get ahead is to have something that differentiates you from others. Then I guess it does become important. You hang on to your little pearls. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I just... I just don't know if it's if it's good for photography, you know. I I'm like, I I'm gonna make a stand. I don't think it is good for no. landscape photography. I think it it's bad. <laughs> well, I've seen like it play out in bad ways when you know, like you're set up for a shot and you're waiting, and then somebody just walks in in front of you <laughs> and starts setting up their shot. Um, com- and they know you've been there or, you know, they'll just leave their tripod and walk away. And you're like, well, do you mind moving the tripod since you're not taking a shot? You know, Unreal. that sort of thing. So that sort of um, competition is is a little bit unhealthy, I think. And, um, uh, you know, and I've seen the flip side, too, where, like, there will be some trashy pictures that uh, people just say are really nice because it's social media and, you know, they just want to maintain a good relationship. So they don't oh, want right. to tell the truth so sometimes it's the other way too where you know they'll look at a trashy picture and everybody's like this is nice this is beautiful or whatever and it really isn't (laughs) so yeah that's something i talked to david thompson about you know he he's saying that people people are too soft-skinned nowadays like not yeah not willing to take criticism which i think is true I, i but i think that's how you get better as a photographer is to be open to that criticism and oftentimes right. it's really subtle stuff that makes a huge difference, but you have to be yeah. yourself out there to be able to take that, that, that feedback, you know? Yeah. Actually, when I think about it, I don't think on social media I have ever seen anything 
that even you know is remotely constructive really you know i mean it's all like complimentary right they're they're all saying this are good pictures no i haven't come across anybody say something is bad and if they did maybe the person who uh, put up the picture already deleted the comment i don't know but usually right. you don't see constructive criticism all you see is just accolades or you know that kind of thing then you just and i do it too you know i'm like that's dope this is excellent this is beautiful that that's stunning kind of thing and usually when i'm giving constructive criticism i send it as a private message sure um just so cuz you don't want to undermine um the quality of that image by you know just blasting people i guess publicly so i like to do it privately so i will send a private message especially if i like the person and i think they would receive my feedback well then i just let them know you know hey maybe this could be done a little bit differently and it's often well received especially when given in private oh absolutely um i've seen i i'm in a few groups where that that kind of criticism is openly shared but it's not very often <laughs> yeah um yeah. okay one one other topic i wanted to touch on with you was um and you had touched on it earlier but i wanted to go in a little bit deeper um was how you are how photography is a dual career for you and i'm i'm curious why you've chosen to make that um i'm assuming you've done that consciously <laughs> and um why why did you do it and what are some of the challenges that you've faced so um I I gave it a lot of thought, right? So I I am obviously pursued a medical career with many many uh, years of schooling and uh, was 100% convinced this is what I want to do and you know I loved radiology when I approached it. So that choice to go into medicine was probably something I've just grown up with. I come from a family of physicians. Um my mom, my brother, my aunts, my uncles, they're all physicians. It's like a family business. um and so from a very young age i i didn't really think i would be anything other than a physician and kind of followed that path and so that uh, decision was probably made very early on and i come from a family where the artistic side we don't really do much you know uh, everybody's kind of a doctor or an engineer and very very few have any kind of creative pursuits at all um so i never really gave much thought to pursuing anything artistic even though i was very creative it was always sort of like a small hobby on the side um and then when i um started doing radiology um it gave me the opportunity to um you know earn a living that uh, let me travel the world and i loved traveling and i loved being outdoors and that's when i started shooting the images um you know taking pictures and then that interest grew to the point where i started spending enormous amounts of time on photography so it was almost like half of my day would be spent on radiology and the other half i would just spend on photography and as i did it more and more people started asking the question well if you're that good at it how come you're still in radiology why are you not migrating to photography <laughs> and then that question popped up in my head too and i said honestly why am i not you know pursuing photography full time i should so i was like well okay let me see how this is going to work out um and i explored the various options we have in front of us if we want to make an income in photography what am i going to do 
And the things that presented themselves are one, you go out there, shoot, generate images and try to sell the images. Two, you conduct workshops, you know, and try to teach others and do something that way. Three, you start doing, you know, shooting assignments, maybe, you know, for um, portraiture or or event photography Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so I started pursuing each of those things to see, well, is it really a feasible thing for me to quit medicine altogether and turn to photography? So I spent two years where uh, I kind of had a foot in both places and um, I did not want to give up my income in medicine without knowing for sure photography um, being pursued 100% of the time is a sure. good thing for me. And when I did that, um, one thing I noticed is that the reason why I loved photography so much was because I did it to please myself, not to right. please others. Um, you know, and uh, so it was a very selfish pursuit for me. Uh, the only thing that mattered was that the image that I rendered was um, 100% to my satisfaction, whether others liked it or not. Yes, sure, if others liked it and emotionally connected with it, it was kind of like the icing on the cake. But bottom line was I wanted to be happy with it. And if I wasn't happy with it, even if there were 100 others who were happy with it, I wouldn't really, you know, it wouldn't float my boat. Um, But when I started doing workshops and I started teaching people I realized that I couldn't shoot. So I would stand there and I would see that sun go down and I would be teaching others. And I enjoyed teaching, but not to the point where I can't shoot myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, you know, and I felt it was very unethical to take somebody's money and, you know, um, I should sure. be there for them. I shouldn't be like, you know, doing my uh, creative pursuit. So I wouldn't shoot. I would just stand next to them and help them and walk around the group and, ask questions and be very actively involved in what they were doing. And as I was teaching, I would actually feel very sad that I was not shooting. So it wasn't giving me pleasure, even though I enjoyed the teaching part, I was really missing uh-huh. the shooting part. And um, so, so that was hard on me. And then as luck would have it, um, in three of the workshops I conducted, three of the participants had serious medical <laughs> issues. <laughs> So like, um, you know, just my luck, right? right. On, on one, I, I had a person it. pass a kidney stone, right? And one, one person passed a kidney stone. Another one, one went into cardiac failure. And then the third one broke a leg. And each time that happened, they immediately turned to me and said, you're a physician, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. That's where I'm getting into trouble because, you know, I was hired to be a photographer, not right. a physician. But that never goes away because, you know, once they turn to you, you're like, okay, now the physician has to step in. So I was actually doing double duty. I was taking care of them as a physician and also as a mentor in photography. And um, it's just that's just a side note. But I think the biggest thing for me was that I loved to do photography without any financial pressures or um, without any commercial aspect to it. You know, if after creating a beautiful image people came to me and said I want to buy it it was all well and good but I did not want to necessarily create an image just with the idea that you know this will please people and this will go into sales I did not enjoy that part at all and so in a way um, just on an individual basis I think it's different person to person but for me I felt that I was a better photographer when 
I was also pursuing medicine and I was a better physician when I was also pursuing photography. I kind of need both those things in my life to be good at both of them. So I decided I'm just going to stick with that. Absolutely. Well, that makes sense. I, I, I feel the same way. Like that, that's one of the reasons why I, I don't even, I don't even think about trying to do this full time. It's like, I know that the few times that I've, I have done it like for, you know, for money directly, like, you know, I enjoyed like doing portraits and stuff like that, but like, I, I just know, but by, by the end of those, those events, I'm like, I could not do this more than a couple times a year. <laughs> like, I, this would just yeah. kill me. Like it takes away all the reason why I'm pushing the shutter to begin with. So I totally get that. Um, there is a big con to it though, Matt, you know, and I think Guy Tal actually um, touched on it very well. He, he talks about this and he talks about why he, you know, quit his career and went into photography full time. And, and that, that one thing that is absolutely holding you back when you pursue a dual career is time, oh, yeah. Absolutely. you know, because the amount of time you invest in photography is, um, if, if well invested, is directly proportional to how good a photographer you become. So when you have a major part of your day devoted to another pursuit, you know, or another career, then it's all that time that is not going into photography. So yes, your efficiency, you try to increase it and say, hey, you know, this is all the time I have in photography, so I better make every second count. But honestly, if you had more time, you could easily get yourself to more places, explore more, you know, I mean, scout out the locations. Obviously, your portfolio would be much better. And if you were out in the field and seeing constantly, even that art of seeing, you know, is going to get better. So um, practice makes perfect. And honestly, if you invest more time, you would obviously be better. So that, I think, is the biggest downside to not doing it 100% of the time. You can't really... It is very tough, I think, to be the leader in a field if you're not pursuing it 100% no, I, of the time. I totally agree. I, I mean, every time I go out, I feel like I'm learning something new in terms of seeing the, mm-hmm. differently. Or So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Time is the number one challenge. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have enough time, yeah. it's you're just not going to be able to get the be able to pursue everything you want, I feel like. So, yeah, totally. Okay, so I... So, um, I promised, you promised to remind me uh, of what I was going to ask you earlier, but I think I remembered yes. on my own. So I think we're good. So, um, okay. you talked about, um, people following in the footsteps of other photographers that they admire, um, such as the Mark mm-hmm. Adamuses or the Ted Gores or the, the Aaron Babnicks of mm-hmm. the world, um, and one of the things, and, and I think this ties into your see one, do one, teach one philosophy of, um, and I'll get to that. But uh, one of the things that I've noticed um, is that the more and more um, people that um, are doing that, like whether it's because of Instagram or because, you know, 10 more people hundred more people this year took a workshop from Mark Adamus and a hundred more people took a workshop from that guy mm-hmm. and that guy and that guy. And then it all just starts cascading mm-hmm. down all of these locations. Um, mm-hmm. They get significantly impacted. I feel like, I mean, I've, I've mm-hmm. visually noticed differences in locations um, in terms of uh, trails that didn't used to exist now exist. 
Um, you know, right. like, uh, people that just, you know, do a bunch of damage to rocks or to hoodoos or, or to trees or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think, I think we can all agree that, that this, this pursuit of landscape photography and how popular it become is having an impact on the locations that we want, that we love. I think we can all agree that's true. Mm-hmm. My question for you mm-hmm. is, do you think that there's something that we should do as landscape photographers about that problem? That's, it's kind of like, um, you got an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder. Take more people to these locations. Mm-hmm. Don't share any locations. Uh, keep all my secrets to myself. <laughs> um, tell people about these locations because I, I want to share share them with the world. I, do you think there's something we should do about that as a community? Or do you think it'll shake itself out? Or you think it's pointless? I'm just curious what's your take on that? I think it's sad that we have gone from being artists to bounty hunters, you know, and the reason why we do that, I think, is because of social media awareness, right? If you had not seen a picture of Mossy Grotto, you wouldn't go chasing after it, right? And if it was only, you know, in somebody, on somebody's website, then those who are really um, pursuing it with passion would probably be the ones visiting the websites, you know, like individual websites and trying to glean what images are there and what inspire you. But now when you sit back and flip through your phone and everything is fed to you, like all these images are coming through, it's easy to just look at one and say, why don't I go get that? Right. So I think it's that, um, social media has kind of ruined it for us, isn't it? Because it has, um, for one, just flooded the images everywhere, making everybody aware of what's out there in terms of turning us into bounty hunters. But at the same time, it also kind of has fostered this sense of bragging rights, you know, like I did this, I did that, I hiked this far, I did this, you know, like you're a big hero for the day because you bagged this shot and then you kind of like make somebody else feel a bit jealous and they're like, hey, I want to go bag that shot too. So it's like almost as if we are pursuing things for Mm. all the wrong reasons. Um, Instead of pursuing art for creative expression, we are pursuing it to achieve popularity, um, you know, make ourselves look good amongst others and trying to prove a point. So once we start doing any of those things, I think it really is very detrimental both to the individual and to the art form itself. And um, I mean, for example, look at Instagram, right? What a horrendous <laughs> format to showcase yeah, landscape it's, it's interesting. <laughs> And yet, like, everybody uses it because that is the only platform to get eyeballs on now, literally, um, you know, in, in large numbers. Even that's sure. going to start going down pretty soon when, uh, you know, when, when your only sponsored stuff is going to float to the surface. I think that trend has already begun on Instagram. So, um in a way, I think if social media disappeared, honestly, Matt, I think <laughs> photography would improve tremendously. Landscape so you're saying what we should do is get rid of social so, media? Yeah, but it, <laughs> it'll, it'll implode. Yeah, I mean, as it is, photography pages have been killed on Facebook. It's only a matter of time because before it disappears on Instagram. Um, but I think more importantly, uh, going back to what you asked me, I wish people were just more conscientious and more respectful of the environment, more if they could just sit back and appreciate it and not try to make everything 
about getting the shot. You know, if, if, you, if the perspective could change from nailing the shot to enjoying the experience, then I think um, everybody would be much more respectful of the landscape. So uh, that awareness, I think, needs to happen, not just amongst few, but amongst everyone. You know, everyone needs to approach it with, this is my time outdoors and, you know, this is a blissful time with nature. And if I get a shot, that's wonderful. But uh, bottom line, I cannot compromise anything here just to get my shot. I think I think that perspective okay. has to awesome. be shared by all. Well, you've, thank you for that answer. I really appreciate it. Um, so you've listened to the podcast um, a couple of times, I think. Um, so I think, you know, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know... Um, Based on the name of the podcast, um, F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen, what advice would you have for other landscape photographers? Um, I think the basic mantra is to enjoy the journey and that it's not about the destination. So it is the experience of acquisition of the image, not the image itself. I mean, that's just the icing on the cake. So I would say slow down. Enjoy the experience. Um, every second out there in nature counts. And irrespective of whether you get a shot or not, if we learn to enjoy the experience, we come back as winners I love it. every single time. So. <laughs> if my recent images from New Mexico <laughs> are, uh, are a testament to that, because I had a blast shooting the photos. I just didn't hardly get any good photos mm-hmm. out of the shoot. So, so yeah, you're right. Just enjoy the process yeah. and it'll all work itself out and it'll be enjoyable. <laughs> yep. Okay. So um, yeah. one last question. Uh, who, who would you love to hear on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Have you interviewed Mark Adams? Uh, not yet um he has definitely been recommended about nine billion times yeah okay <laughs> but yeah i mean he's definitely that was an easy question sure. huh um, <laughs> yeah yeah I respect um, him. I, and I, I you know i like them because they're also really good at talking like expressing their ideas so, well if you uh, have a those. if you have an in on mark adamus yep. let me know i mean i i know a few people that know him but uh, maybe nudge him if you if you feel like he would listen to you. Yes, I'll, I'll do I'll do my uh, best. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really uh, appreciate it so much. Thanks, man. It was really fun.